Mission Readiness is the organization of retired admirals and generals working to prepare America's youth for success. Join us as we talk with respected leaders about the challenges facing our next generation. And now, Mission Readiness National Director, Ben Goodman. Welcome to the Mission Readiness Podcast. This is Ben Goodman, National Director, and I'm here this week with Megan Adam Chesky, our Deputy Director. And Megan, a great event going on this week with one of our partners in the state of Missouri, and you spoke to them to learn more. Yeah, I talked to Casey Hansen and Craig Stevenson from Kids Win Missouri this week about their Child Advocacy Week that they have going on right now. Casey and Craig are two of our main partners in Missouri, and during the week, they're going to be holding a series of virtual seminars about how to advocate for children in Missouri. So we talk a little bit about that, and also they give us an overview of what's going on in the Missouri legislative session and what their goals and priorities are for the year. Well, we are so fortunate to have great partners like the folks that you're going to hear from in a minute. But without further ado, let's hear from Kids Win Missouri. Welcome to the Mission Readiness Podcast. This is Megan from the Mission Readiness team filling in for General Gross today. I'm excited to be joined by two of our state partners in Missouri. We'll be talking to Casey Hansen, the Director of Outreach and Engagement for Kids Win Missouri, and then Craig Stevenson, the Director of Policy and Advocacy for Kids Win Missouri. Kids Win Missouri has been a great advocate working with Mission Readiness on early childhood issues, and we're excited to hear more about what they're doing in the state. So Casey and Craig, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit more about your backgrounds and your roles at Kids Win Missouri? So I'm Craig Stevenson and Megan, I just want to say thank you for having us. And we're appreciative of all the work that Mission Readiness um, and Council for Strong America does for us in the States and just connecting us with trusted stakeholders in, in, in the States. So thank you for that. But Kids Win Missouri and, and me in particular, I um, have a policy background. I uh, worked for the University of Missouri system on their government relations team for five years. And then I answered a call to ministry and left politics for three years, um, went to work for the United Methodist Church, leading a partnership in Mozambique. But I was based here and did fundraising, And but I missed, missed the policy world. I still had the political bug, but wanted the right fit. Um, and so when the opportunity with Kids Win came along, I was blessed and fortunate to be, be selected. And I've been with Kids Win for almost, almost three years now. It's coming up quickly. So um, the other kind of fun fact about me is because of my uh, answering to call to ministry, I just in the fall uh, got approval for ordination in the United Methodist Church. So I'll be ordained as a deacon in the United Methodist Church um, come June. Very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Casey? Yeah, so um, I'm Casey Hansen. I'm our Director of Outreach and Engagement, and I come from kind of a well, a mixed background, really, of working in the state legislature, working on a variety of issue campaigns, but um, always very compelled to work on children and family issues. And so I was a board member at Kids Win for a couple of years. And then when the opportunity arose to join the team in this role that really fits my interest, which is um, making connections with, you know, our the broader community and our membership, um, both at the grassroots level and the grass tops level to really connect our members and our stakeholders to the work that we're doing to advocate for policies that help kids and families. So um, a lot of my work is around just that community engagement component and finding different ways that we can get 
um, a variety of partners and stakeholders involved in our work and continuing, of course, to also increase the diversity and inclusiveness of the partners that we work with so that we're really representing all of the kids and families in Missouri um, and those impacted by the policies that we work on. And you, as you were saying, you work with a very large coalition of groups and focus on kind of a wide range of issues with different policy committees that you organize throughout the year. What are the main policy priorities that you're focusing on during this legislative session? Yeah, during this legislative session, it's it's incredibly busy, right? So there, um, I'm, I'm sure most state legislators are very busy just because we're in the in the pandemic and the public health emergency. But um, during our governor, Governor Parson's state of the state address. Um, in late January, he announced uh, the creation of an office of childhood. And for us in Missouri, what that means is that he's um, consolidating all of our early childhood kind of birth to uh, five programs in one state department and under a new office. Um, so, so for example, child care licensing in Missouri, licensing sub child care subsidy and our quality rating um, pilot were all in different departments. And we had similarly in the home visitation space, we have three state departments doing different home visitation programs. And so what this announcement and consolidation will do is it'll combine all of those efforts into one office so we can uh, ensure that we're just being as efficient as possible and really get uh, new data and make sure that we're serving families in, and children in Missouri uh, more effectively. So that announcement was made um, during his state of the state. So the state legislature, of course, is going through the budget process. And in that budget process um, is, is how the legislature is discussing that office. So that's exciting, like kind of pretty, pretty new news, like less than a month old. And so we at Kids Win and Casey is spending a lot of time uh, talking to um, our partners and we're talking to ch child care providers just to make sure that folks know what this means for them and, and, um, and things like that. Um, additionally, we have really great synergy, our Speaker of the House and of course our Governor because of the Office of Childhood, but the Speaker of the House has been really outspoken in talking about wanting to advance early childhood efforts. Um, so in the policy space, you know, we've been in, in session for about six weeks now, eight, yeah, about six weeks. And um, we've already had several bills around early childhood policy making and making its way, making their way through the process, whether it be providing a blanket tax, local tax authority to, to fund early childhood programs at the local level, or making our early, our quality rating pilot uh, sunset, removing the sunset on that pilot to increasing the way our foundation formula is written. School districts can draw down a small percentage of the um, attendance for pre-K programs, but it's a really small amount. And so there's been a hearing and likely the bill will be voted out next week that would allow for more, ch more, more children to be served in that model. So lots of exciting things in the early childhood space. And then our speaker, um, his background is that he was adopted out of the foster system. And so that he's really raising the profile of the child welfare space in particular. So we're actively involved in that. My wife and I are foster and adoptive parents ourselves. And so so we're actively involved in those conversations. And then and then that's enough to keep us busy, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Missouri in August passed as the voters passed Medicaid expansion. And so uh, we're excited to work with our work with partners to make sure that that implementation happens. One 
area that I actually got to participate in briefly that I was really excited about was over the summer, and I think even into now, you've been talking to different childcare providers to really get a strong idea of what they're facing on the ground and how y'all can work together to improve the situation. I was wondering, Casey, if you could talk a little bit more about that effort, how it all came together, and how you were able to reach out to such a large network of childcare providers during the beginning of the pandemic up to now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to be honest, beginning in the fall of 2019, we started to explore ways that we could better connect with providers and parents, specifically around child care issues. And so in early February of last year, I was actually traveling the state to meet with providers. And we had a plan to set forth a series of events where we would meet with providers in different communities, as well as parents, um, and you know, develop a report based on that. Well, that was like February and then I was actually just remembering like because I was going back through and seeing like in my calendar these appointments from last year and it's just weird that we were like planning all of that locally and then all of a sudden we were in the middle of a pandemic we were shut down and Kids Win kind of became a conduit for a lot of providers and other people through our Friday weekly calls that we do during legislative session to kind of communicate some of those um, policy changes that were happening that were impacting childcare providers, foster parents, um, you know, just families in general throughout the pandemic, especially, you know, COVID related policy changes. And so um, our network really grew through that. Um, our email list, you know, like doubled um, and just the amount of people participating in our calls. So COVID kind of gave us an opportunity to connect virtually with a lot more providers. And then we decided to pick that work back up, both because we were also in the process of advocating for additional federal relief dollars to help those childcare providers and to help families that were dealing with loss of employment um, and the need for childcare. So we basically just, you know, working with roughly the same model, we did all of these sessions virtually to connect with providers. And then we did some separate sessions to connect with parents. And um, it, was, it was very enriching to our work, I think, um, and has created, you know, a much stronger presence of the childcare provider community and parents in our work. Um, and we were able to use a lot of those connections to be able to advocate um, a lot at the federal level and then at the state level as well. So, you know, we've also established now a child care advisory group where we meet on a monthly basis with um, state level administrators to talk through some of the kind of weedier administrative issues that child care providers face and really kind of still dealing with some of the immediate impacts of COVID, but also beginning to um, facilitate providers having a stronger voice in some of the longer term planning processes. So um, we actually, we just met with that provider group yesterday, and then we'll meet with the state departments on Friday. So, you know, we don't know with kind of the change of administration and um, those types of things, like if the group will continue forward or look a little bit different, but um, we've at least been able to start that conversation and have already seen some movement in solving some of the shorter term problems. And then knowing that, um, you know, our state's getting about 185 million from the last round of federal relief. And then um, looking forward to this next round of stimulus that Congress is currently debating, you know, we think there could be 
just another huge windfall of money coming into our childcare system. And so with that, along with um, what's already come in and some of the issues that we were dealing with before, we think, you know, having that active provider voice in our work and being able to facilitate that with um, state level policymakers is really a positive thing that's come out of this COVID experience. You hate to talk too much about the positives of it, but um, it's really helped our work. And then I think Craig can probably also talk about this um, visioning process. So one thing that we've been thinking about as an organization is, you know, we know not to not to use a term that we hear all the time now, but build back better, right? So we have to we have to take these lessons that we've learned from the pandemic and then not only think about how are we going to survive through this, how are we going to help providers get to the other side, but how are we going to build that sustainable system going forward? And so that's something that with our partners at the Alliance for Early Success, and then with our state level partners that we've been thinking a lot about. So I'll let Craig talk a little bit about our visioning process, because um, that's something really cool that's come out of these provider connections that we've developed. Yeah, thanks, Casey. Yeah, and I, I think to kind of just set, set it up, Casey said that what the pandemic really showed is that for us in Missouri, child care, um, we had kind of an, a year by year, right, basis, like the, you know, the state departments were we're addressing budgetary needs just kind of on a year by year basis, but there really wasn't a long term vision for where what are the needs in childcare in in Missouri and how can we get there. And so when the Alliance for Early Success created a roadmap for child care, um, we in Missouri like we took it and we owned it and we were really excited uh, to see that and we took that kind of framework. Um, as a basis to have internal conversations last fall for, with across across the state. So we had four um, meetings kind of around, so the, the Alliance uh, roadmap is uh, set up into four lanes. And so we had a conversation for four weeks around each of those lanes and those lanes center around families, access to childcare, the profession itself, funding mechanisms, and then I think the fourth lane is uplifting the profession being kind of the, yeah, being the fourth one. And so our our goal with having the conversations is to really make, make the Alliance map a roadmap from a national document to a state document. And what we've done is we create more than a hundred strategies um, that, that are, that vary from licensing changes to subsidy type of changes to workforce training type of changes and recommendations. And so we're at this really great point with the federal government continue like recognizing that childcare is in crisis and the childcare um, profession is in crisis where we can, we think, influence how our state utilizes that those resources to really impact the long-term uh, trajectory of the childcare profession in Missouri. So whether that be increase uh, opportunities for childcare providers to get advanced education, right? Get an associate's degree or get a bachelor's degree, whether that means provide uh, really look towards funding mechanisms at local levels, like I mentioned earlier that our state legislature is looking at, all of those sorts of things, uh, expanding access for uh, for families to make sure that that we're uplifting families and making sure families are eligible to qualify. So we took that roadmap and and really we're trying to just be able to create a plan to move us forward in Missouri. And what's really cool is we we started so the 
mid-fall was kind of those, were those conversations. And then we're just finalizing that. We've just finalized that document here in the new year. But prior to that, we, re- we recognized in the early fall that providers just had not like had not even been asked like, hey, what, what's your vision for Missouri? And so before we even started the roadmap process, we surveyed, we sent a survey out to all of our licensed childcare providers across the state to just ask that question of like, what, if you could like wave a magic wand, what would you change? What would happen? And it's really great to see the, the dedication of the childcare community in Missouri, but then they have a vision. They want to move the state forward. And so our hope and goal with the roadmap is to is to move us in that way. And what I'll make sure to do is share in the show notes when we publish this podcast information on where to find y'all online and on your social media so that anyone who's listening who is interested in learning more about that process or any of those surveys or documents can find it. You were talking about how inclusive these discussions have been with providers and a wide group of people. But this is an issue that is very personal for both of you because you're parents to young children. And so you're talking to a lot of people who are experiencing childcare issues or providers who are dealing with childcare issues, but it's very real for you, something that you're dealing with day to day. So I was wondering how your own personal experiences have influenced kind of the work that you're doing on during the pandemic. I mean, it's childcare is an issue that's top of mind in my family right now. Um, I shared with you all earlier, we're getting ready to have our second child. So we'll have two babies, you know, well, my son's three, so a three-year-old and an infant in childcare. Um, And it's just a huge cost to the family. It's a huge worry on the family's mind of how do I find a good place? How do I know that, you know, this is the right place? And like through the pandemic, you know, we're not even able to do the traditional tours and things like you sometimes have access to. And so it's something that I think about almost every day, especially the last two weeks, we've had all these snow days. And so not having childcare and juggling childcare and work. And so I just think it gives us, you know, or it gives me at least really the drive to want to solve these problems. And, you know, to know like my family is in a fairly fortunate place and there's many families in our state that aren't. And it's hard to even imagine knowing, you know, what we're looking at paying for two children and and infant and toddler care um, in preschool to, you know, how a family that is, you know, barely making minimum wage, how they could possibly afford that and those types of things. So I think it just continues to give me drive and passion and wanting to do this work and wanting to solve these problems, not only for the families, but also the workforce. Um, You know, all of the things that my son comes home and talks about and the new songs he sings and all of the things that I know he's learning that are possible because of his early childhood educators, you know, it just gives us, gives more passion to want to solve these issues um, at a bigger level. And I'd echo those thoughts. I mean, I think for me, my lens is a little bit different. You know, I live in fairly like it's. I would consider it rural Missouri, right? I'm in outside of outside of town. The, my school district is pretty small, and so even during the stay-at-home orders, our community was impacted just a little bit differently uh, than the rest than the more urban areas. So, but it, I learned that there's like I just it added to my appreciation, right? Of 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 the workers um, of the childcare teachers and staff that come to work every day and and are smiling and happy 
And I also think my lens is a little different because of being a foster and adoptive parent. I have direct access to the subsidy program. Um, and so I'm like, I actively am in that process. And so it makes me want to, similar to Casey, right? Make sure that our, that the processes for families is not overly burdensome that, that, or for the providers. So I get kind of a, a the consumer side of the subsidy program as a foster parent and adoptive parent, but also as a, you know, consumer of, of childcare, if you will, of our kids, you know, we wouldn't be able to work if we didn't have access to um, a childcare provider who takes childcare subsidy, who lives so close to home, who has such a passion for foster and adoptive kids. And so it, it just, I think the gratitude, I think it's a, such a feeling of gratitude of during this week in particular, you know, it, it's been snow day after snow day after snow day, right? And our kids um, have been, have been able to go and we're able to get them to childcare and um, yeah, it's just great. Now, we've talked a lot on this podcast about kind of the pivot to virtual with the pandemic. Now we're a year into it. You know, for Mission Readiness, this podcast was one of the ways that we kind of pivoted our work to be able to reach a virtual audience. And you both, this is the second year that you will be pivoting one of your major events, your Child Advocacy Day online. Last year, if I remember correctly, it took place in April, so it was kind of new, early COVID, but you've had more time to, to plan out this year. So Casey, you were the lead on that event. Could you talk a little bit about how that event will look and what you've done to adapt it to be effective in the virtual environment? Absolutely. Um, and you're right. I mean, we had like two weeks last year to pivot. Um, so and it was really different because the legislature was also um, in like a very strange state. So just knowing how to do everything. I mean, in the end of the day last year, we ended up having our workshops and there wasn't really like a legislative interactive component, um, which will be different from this year. Um, knock on wood, I should say, because our legislature is kind of in an interesting stop and start pattern right now. But, you know, the legislature for all intents and purposes will likely be in session. And as Craig detailed earlier, debating issues that impact children. And so we hope, we hoped by holding it in March um, that we might have an opportunity to really let advocates have a voice in that process, um, both in some of the policy pieces they're debating and in the budget conversations. And so similarly to last year, we are able to fit a lot more workshops in uh, virtually. Everyone is used to attending things in this virtual environment now and it's just it's so much easier i will say to get presenters to participate to get different dignitaries to participate whether that's um, just popping in for five minutes or sending a video so in in those ways that's another kind of positive thing um, missouri you know is a fairly big state um, and so sometimes those advocates down in the boot heel, you know, to get to Jeff City, it might take them four or five hours, <laughs> whereas, you know, virtually they're able to do a lot more. So whereas last year was mostly solely workshops, this year we are hoping through some of our workshops to build in some advocacy skill development um, so that, and encourage, I guess I should say, participants to be actively reaching out to their legislators throughout that week on some of those issues and hot topics that Craig mentioned earlier. So that's kind of the main thing that's changed, whereas last year there wasn't really that opportunity to advocate because of the state of the legislature. This year, um, you know, we're hoping to build that in and in a stronger way and knowing that there are so many important issues 
um, facing our legislature this session and um, that, you know, is still impacting kids and families throughout our state because of the pandemic. So yeah, we're really excited. We have 10 awesome workshops lined up, um, some great speakers, a variety of sessions. We've already had over 525 people register, which is really exciting. Um, last year, we had about 560 participate, and we are often very numbers-driven as a team at Kids Win, so we, <laughs> we're pushing to have 750 people participate this year. So my goal over the next three weeks is really to make that happen. So um, yeah, childadvocacyday.org is the website, um, so feel free to check that out. And if you're interested in participating, um, everything is free. Luckily, we have some great sponsors that help us put that event on. And so really great opportunity, whether you can attend one workshop or attend for the whole week, some great opportunities to learn about policies impacting kids in Missouri. And we'll put that link in the show notes too. One follow-up question I have to that is for any other state advocates who might be listening who are in different states and might be interested in registering, is there any value for an advocate from a different state to come and pop into some of these sessions and learn just generally about how everyone is doing virtual advocacy in Missouri? Do you think they could benefit from that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, everyone's more than welcome. Um, you know, some of the stuff is obviously going to be Missouri specific policy, but just, you know, seeing how we're doing things. Um, we will will have a rally on March 10th at 9 a.m. So that's just kind of a, the short little for everyone. I think there's lots that advocates could learn. We've luckily through our network at the Alliance for Early Success over the last year, and we're part of um, a finish line program through Georgetown, we connect with lots of state advocacy organizations like ours. And there's been so much opportunity to collaborate and share ideas. And so a lot of the things that we're doing, we've shared with others as well. And we've also borrowed from others. So everyone is more than welcome to attend. Sounds great. Then kind of getting to the end of the podcast here, we'll shift to two questions we like to ask all of our guests who come on here. Um, So starting with you, Craig, I will ask you, what is one habit that you've developed during the pandemic, either personally or professionally, that you think has been really valuable and that you'd like to continue kind of into the future? Yeah, so I started not too long before the pandemic, um, started lifting weights in a more proactive way. And so like uh, shortly before the pandemic timed out great for me, I bought a full squat rack <laughs> and it worked out great with all of the gyms closing. Um, but I've been much more intentional about weightlifting. I'm, I've ran, I've, I used to be a, I mean, a slow runner. I like half marathon distances. Um, but I've kind of pivoted from, uh, running to lifting weights and have enjoyed that just as a uh, time to get away from, get up early, get away from kids, get some time just to myself. And so um, I've continued that on into the pandemic and it's been, it's been fun to, to see the, to see me get stronger as I've gone through, I've, I've lost like 15, almost 15, between 15 and 20 pounds in the process. So it's been just kind of a, most people, you know, you're like stuck at home and not, not, you're here, you're home eating uh, and going from your office to your wherever, but I've tried to be real intentional about just continuing the uh, working out and taking time in that way. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea, especially because it is so hard to run kind of now with all the different restrictions. Yeah. And Casey? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest change and the biggest thing for me has just been slowing down and um, spending more time at home and with my family. Not that I didn't spend time with my family, but I've just always been like a very busybody, go, go, go kind of person. And um, with this job, you know, used to travel maybe like 40 to 50% of the time on the road and visiting other places in Missouri, but um, which I miss a lot of that too, but it's been nice to be kind of forced to slow down. Um, like now I'm ready to travel and go somewhere else. Um, so I, I've reached the point, maybe also from being pregnant, but um, reminding me that slowing down is always important, even though, you know, hopefully it's not like full lockdown mode forever. And then just like a random habit, I like had never really listened to podcasts. So I have to say, since we're on the podcast now, um, so Craig and Brian got me onto a few, just like the daily and some of those other daily kind of news ones. But then I've just really become interested in a lot of different podcasts on a number of different topics. And so that's been fun for me. Um, and I'm not a slow runner or a weightlifter at this point, but like I do a lot of walking. And so um, usually I go on about two walks a day and just listen to different um, podcasts. So I'll have to start listening more to the mission readiness one as well, but that's been an enjoyable new kind of habit for me. Got a lot of fans of the daily on the mission readiness team. So you're in good company. <laughs> and then that leads us to our final question. And I'll start with you, Casey, this time is what books have you been reading lately? Yeah. So, um, so I have like work and home. So home, my book right now is um, Between the World and Me. So I have it next to me right now. This is just a really great book. And because it's Black History Month, I was challenging myself a little bit. Um, and so this book I read a couple of years ago when it first came out. And so I've been reading it again, but like I really recommend it, you know, from the perspective, especially of a parent, but also just trying to understand being Black in America and that experience. And then I'm participating in this Children's Health Leadership Network program. Um, and so um, we have a lot of reading. It's it's a program run by the Annie Casey Foundation. And so they've sent, they send me like a different book every couple of months. And like, I'm not through all of them, but like the best one, because I'm kind of like the Medicaid dork on the kids win team at this point, um, is this political determinants of health. This is such a good book. I recommend it for everybody. Um, but especially if you're into health policy, um, and we know there's going to be a lot of healthcare debates coming up, I'm sure. So, um, those are my two books that I'm reading right now that I have recommended to a number of people this month. So, and then you, Craig. Yeah, I just finished over the holidays. Um, I, I, I've got it right here. The, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, which was a, a book that was really good. It's just a good reminder and different strategies of how to slow down, especially in our world, in a pandemic world where we're always kind of on the go. In the Since I'm in the ordination process, um, I'm in a small group and we just finished this week a book called The Anatomy of Peace, um, Resolving the, the Heart of Conflict, which I've enjoyed, but also, you know, we're in the political world, right? Like the political world's full of conflict. And so it's been a it's been a good book to kind of commiserate with with other uh, with pastors around. And I just started like two weeks ago um, a book called The Walk. It's called Walk to Beautiful by Jimmy Wayne. And Jimmy Wayne is a, a country music um, singer. 
who was in the foster system as a teenager was homeless. My wife, I got it for my wife for Christmas and she read it and she's like, I, I know you got this for me, but I know you also got it for you. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. So she read it and she said, you'll love this. And so I've started it, but you know, Casey talked about uh, a minute ago, you know, not being able to travel. That's when I read, like, I will like go on, a, we love to go on cruises. And so like on a cruise, I'll take like six or seven books and over you know, seven or 10 days, you know, we'll just knock them out. And so I've missed that because my, my book reading has been slacking compared to, you know, what I wish it was. Well, thank you both for taking the time to join us today. I'm very excited to hear about all the work that you have been doing and will be continuing to do throughout the year. And if there's anything final you wanted to say. I would just say thank you to you, Megan, and Mission Readiness. It always feels like when we need something and need a, need a partner, especially on these childcare and early childhood conversations, you're always there to bounce ideas off of and to help us get creative about ways um, that we can also include so many of your partners in our work. So we appreciate that opportunity and um, that you help us with our work so much. You know, the feeling is definitely mutual. We're so grateful to be able to work with both of you in Missouri and are really looking forward to the rest of the General Assembly session and the rest of the year. Thank you both so much for joining today. That was a great conversation, Megan. Yeah, we're really lucky to work with Casey and Craig in Missouri. They've been great partners to us and really looking forward to seeing what they do the rest of the year and how we can continue to partner together. Plenty of great conversations coming up here on the Mission Readiness Podcast. General Gross is back next week with a great guest. Until then, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, share, and we'll be back real soon.